19 through 27. I just, hold on just a second. I just realized that I've had my mic on and hopefully Braden has had it muted because if you heard me singing, that would have been bad. <laughs> okay, good. Woo. <laughs> what a blessing for you all. <laughs> I might not be able to go on. Oh, the fear of that. I don't get intimidated very often, but man alive. All right. Uh, <laughs> James 1, 19 through 27. Know this, my, bro- my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we've just recently wrapped up a a series on together again and what it means for us to be living life together. And last week we talked about uh, the great commission that Jesus gave us that said, this is what I want you to be on about. And within that, there was a call to be disciples and to make disciples. And so we're going to start a series, not next week, but in two weeks uh, about this person that we're supposed to be a disciple of. Uh, Jesus. And we're going to look at who Jesus is, who he claims to be in the Gospels, in these biographies that are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it'll kind of come up against some things that people today in the world or in the past have said who Jesus is. And so it will give us an understanding of who it is that we're being a disciple of, who it is that we're following, who it is that we want to be more like, not because there's anything we can do to make us that way, but because Holy Spirit moves within us to move us in that direction. And so there's two Sundays before that. One of the reasons why there's two Sundays before that is because next Sunday is the Westminster Presbyterian Church's uh, uh, pulpit swap. And what that means is I will be gone preaching at another Presbyterian church and there'll be a gentleman here that will be preaching to you, Richard Bailey. He's actually preached here before and so he'll be preaching for you. And I'll be off at Three Crosses, which is a church that meets in the Murdoch area, preaching to them. That does not mean you should skip. And then this week we had this like Sunday (laughs) that was there. And I was like, what am I going to preach on? Like really, I was like, because I know there's a series I want to start. I didn't want to start it like one Sunday and then be gone one Sunday and then pick it back up. And so I was like, what? And, and, and James came to mind. Now, I said in my video that I sent out last night that I haven't preached a sermon. I don't think I'd preached a sermon out of James. 
I realized this morning that actually I have before and I've blocked it out of my memory. And the reason why is because of the passage that's just before this that says this. Um, at verse 7, it says, For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It says, If anyone asks, has wisdom, ask the Lord, and he gives generously and above reproach. Because he's double-minded. In my second sermon that I ever preached, ever preached, I was preaching this passage. And I wanted to give an illustration about what double-mindedness looked like. <laughs> and I said something that was very silly. And I think I've decided I never wanted to preach out of the book of James again. Now, if you want to know what that silly thing is that I said, you can ask me later. And I will tell you what it is. And I don't want you to be thinking about it all sermon long. Because it's not that big of a deal. Although, for a second sermon, it was like traumatizing for me. And I've not gone back to James again. And so when I began to think, what am I going to preach this Sunday? And James kept coming to my mind. And this particular passage, I was like, I really don't want to preach out of the book of James. Like, I don't like the book of James. Martin Luther said James shouldn't even be in the Bible anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, I, don't, I don't want to, yeah, that, maybe I shouldn't do that. Because there's all this doing stuff in it, right? There's all these imperatives that are in it that says, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And so look, it starts off. It says, know this, my beloved, let every person be quick to hear. That's an imperative. Do this. Slow to speak. Do this. Slow to anger. Do this. Here's the reason why, right? Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. That's imperatives. Receive. That's an imperative. Meekness and implant the word. Then be doers of the word, not just hearers. Then he says, if anyone is religious, they will, not, they will bridle their tongue. So he's saying, if you don't bridle your tongue, so there's an imperative, bridle your tongue. Visit orphans, visit widows in their afflictions. Keep oneself unstained. There seems to be a lot of things that we're supposed to be doing, that we're supposed to be on about. But, but I thought Jesus did all that. I thought Jesus was the one in his grace that has, has caused us to be righteous, that we actually put on the righteousness of Christ, that, that he became sin so that we can be God's righteousness. Yes, absolutely, 100%. But there's something that we should do, maybe. And I was thinking about it, trying to figure out what's the, the way that we could think about it. And, and I think what it is this. There's a difference between an if-then posture in life and a so-because posture in life. And we can easily come to the book of James, we can easily come to any list that are in Scripture, and we can have an if-then posture towards them where we can look at it and read it and go, if I do this, then God's required to do these things. Or if I live this way, then I should receive blessing from the world. Think about it this way. Look at these things. A person should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Let's just take those, those imperatives. Think about the world today. 
does it appear to you in the discourse that happens in the world today that people are slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger? Don't most of us, when we kind of see what's going on in the world, not in our own hearts, of course, but in the world out there, don't, don't we kind of look at that and think to ourselves, if people could just shut their traps, open their ears, and be a little patient with someone else, maybe we could get along. Maybe the world would be better. Maybe things would look better than they do now. And we enter into that in an if-then sort of thought process. If we were slow to speak, if we were quick to listen, if we were slow to anger, then things would be good. But that's not how this takes place in this passage. In this passage, my glasses are coming, by the way. In this passage, we have to jump down. And it says this, receive with meekness the implanted word. That word is logos. That's the Greek word for word. Now, is he saying this word? Yeah. But I also think that we can go back to John who claims that word, logos, in his beginning of his biography of Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the Logos, the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the only one, Son of Father, full of grace and truth. And so there's this idea that, yes, this Word needs to be implanted in us, but it's not the Word that actually saves. That's the key part of that verse there, there that says, meekness in meekness receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls we this won't save our souls this this can tend to bring us to a place of if then we can read it and go oh if i do what god says then i'll be blessed if i find the right verse then my problems will go away so it's not just about this because what these words are doing is pointing us to the word and so when we see the word that is Christ, the one that does bring salvation and saves our soul, and we receive it with meekness, then we move from the if-then to the so-because. The so-because is you have received salvation. You have received mercy. You have received steadfast love. You have been taken from death to life. You've been taken from an enemy to being a child of God. So because of that, be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to anger. The if-then puts the impetus on us. The if-then says, I have within myself the power to do this. The so-because recognizes that I can't do this, 
that it is not on my own power that I'll ever be able to step into this place. But in fact, it is the power of God through Christ that moves me into that place. So we hear the Word of God and we become doers of the Word of God. We don't just receive Christ in our meekness and are saved and begin to hear his words come alive to us that are in Scripture, that are guiding us how we should live. So because, not if then, not to gain anything, but because we've already gained everything. Then we move into that place. But too often we rest in the if then. And if we rest in the if then, then we're like this. Yep, look pretty good, not bad, need to get a haircut, good thing I trimmed up my beard. What do I look like again? How silly, how strange, how different for us. But that's what James is saying. That if you're running this race, if you're walking this journey with Jesus, the one who is the word, who comes to you in gentleness and pursues you in his steadfast love to bring you to salvation, and then you're digging deep in his word so that you can hold on to it and grasp it, then you are a person who when you see those things, when you hear those things, you can't help but walk away and remember, this is who I am. This is how I should be. Not to gain anything, because I've already gained it all. That we don't lose ourself. Because here's the thing, the if-thens change. The if-thens change. In our society, in our world, in our own minds, the if-thens change. Because we'll try an if, and we won't get the then that we want. And so we'll go, well, it must be a different if. (laughs) It must be something else I need to do. But when we move to the so because, that doesn't change because it is so because of God's love. So because of his pursuit. So because of his steadfastness that we move into this place of being able to go. So it's important for us as we step into these imperatives of what it looks like for us to be disciples, if we're going to make disciples, to remember it's not about us gaining something. It's about us walking in what we've already gained. And then we know who we are. So what is it that it looks like? (laughs) Interestingly enough, most of the things that are talked about here that we should avoid are things that are utter selfishness. Are completely turning ourselves on ourselves and saying, yes, I sit on the throne of my heart. A person who is quick to hear, or quick, slow to hear and quick to speak is a person who thinks they're the most important person in the room. The person who knows that they have the best thing to say. People would just shut up and listen to me. Things would go well. A person who is quick to anger is someone who believes that they have the right to have their justice seen. Their way known and everybody should fall in line. And we have this idea because of the flesh that we live in in the world around us that by doing that with force, that's how we get it. With power. Then he says, what? Get away of all filthiness and rampant wickedness. This idea that I need to please myself, that I need my way. This idea of wickedness and rampant filthiness there is this idea of 
overindulgence. That at the time feels really good. But it quickly fades. And that if-then needs to change. I, I was talking to a few folks this week because I'm, I'm trying to confess, but I'm having a hard time confessing. It was just a COVID restriction thing to begin with, but it's just kind of continued to go on because, um, well, because I like food and I like junk food. And I revealed to somebody this week that um, one time uh, a week ago, I got a Big Mac uh, I got a fish fillet, I got a double cheeseburger, and I ate them all in one setting. That might be silly for some of you, but I could have gone back for more. Because what it was doing for me in that moment is I was not trusting the person that I knew in the mirror had saved me. I was trusting my own self. And I needed to numb myself. And so eating those things numbed me. It's better than other things that I've used to numb myself in the past. Except it's not. Because by Friday, my joints, because I added candy on top of that and some croissants later in the week and donuts and other stuff. By Friday, all my joints hurt, my knees were in pain, my hips, my shoulders, and I was looking in the mirror going, I used to be, two years ago, I'd lost a lot of weight, and I felt good about how I felt. I also felt good with how I looked, but I felt good at how I felt. I don't feel that way anymore. But it was good for the time. See, the if was, if I eat this, then it'll make me feel better. And it did for about five minutes. But the so because is to realize I don't have to carry this stress on my own. I have somebody who has come and has rescued me from carrying this stress on my own. And so I can give it to him. I can go to his word that he's given me to, to seek out what he wants me to seek out. To receive blessing. And even better than that. I've got a group of people that he's put me with that I can walk with. Because here's the thing. Some of you are forgetting who you are in the mirror. And you might not be willing to look at this mirror and see how God is reflecting you. But you have us who will look at you and say, you're missing yourself. You're forgetting what you look like. And that's what disciples do. That's what those of us who are following Christ do is we look in the mirror and we remember ourselves, and when we can't, we look to others to remind us who we are. Because they're in Christ as well. And they remind us of that. A person who doesn't bridle his tongue is somebody who's selfish, somebody who thinks that they've got it right. A person who looks at those who are in need and doesn't even think about visiting them, thinks that they don't need any help. That's somebody who's selfish. And then he goes back and he says, unstained from the world. Ultimately, the world's biggest temptation to us is to be for ourselves. All these other things that wreak havoc in our lives, they are the outgrowth of this desire to be for ourselves. 
Because somewhere in our minds, in our fallen nature, we have said, if I take care of me, then everything will be all right. Instead of resting on the so because God has taken care of you. Now you can rest in him. Um, You know I like movies. Come on in. Uh, You know I like movies. And um, if a movie is older than five, six years old, uh, I don't care about giving you a spoiler. So if you've not seen this movie, that's on you, because it's an old movie. It's a movie called Fifty First Dates. It's a classic Adam Sandler movie. I mean, it's like one of his best. And in Fifty First Dates, he is this guy that is completely about himself, only wants to know himself, only wants to care for himself. Uh, He's got a dream, he's got a goal, and he's going to do that, but in the meantime, he's going to have fun. And because he's not got a boat that's not doing exactly what he wants, he bumps into Lucy, who's played by Drew Barrymore. And he has this great day with her. And he thinks, I'm going to go back tomorrow and meet her, even though she's a local, and that's way outside of what I want to do. And he goes back and he meets her, and she doesn't remember him at all. Not a thing. Nothing about him. And he begins to be told that on a particular day, about a year ago, she was with her father coming back, getting a pineapple. They swerved to miss a cow on this beautiful island in Hawaii and hit a tree and it caused massive head trauma. And in that head trauma, she can't remember anything after that point. She remembers all of her life before that, but she only lives that day in her mind. That's her memory. It stops there. And so when the day ends, she falls asleep, and it resets to that day. Kind of like Groundhog Day, only a little different. But Adam Sandler's character falls in love with her. And he wants to know her and get to know her. And what he discovers is that Lucy's dad and brother have been living that day, the day of the accident, over and over and over and over and over and over again for a day. I mean, for a year, almost. Like every day they wake up, they do the same thing. She goes and eats breakfast where they're at. She comes home, they go get a pineapple. After they get a pineapple, he comes and shows her this this, uh, garage that is painted white so that she can paint it during that day. And then by the end of the day, she's tired and she goes to sleep. And after she goes to sleep, he goes and gets a newspaper that has that date on it and puts it out so she'll read the same newspaper that she read that same day a year ago. They go and they paint this beautiful painting that she's done and they paint it white again. So that when she wakes up, she doesn't know that this tragic thing has happened to her. But that means that Adam Sandler is never going to get to know her. Because she will never remember him. So after she has one bad day where she gets a parking ticket and so she realizes it's not the day. And so they go and they go to the doctor who tells her what happens. And she kind of lives her life through that process. Adam Sandler decides that he's going to make a videotape that tells her everything that happens. And so she walks downstairs and they put the tape in for her and she watches it. And she knows what took place in her life, what happened, so that she can remember who she is. 
and start progressing forward. And by the end, they've fallen in love. It's a romantic comedy, so they had to break up, and then they had to get back together. And the end scene is she wakes up. There's a videotape there. It says, watch this before you. She puts it in, tells her the beautiful story and the tragic story of her life. And at the end, Adam Sandler says it's cold outside because his dream was to go pay attention to walruses in Alaska from Hawaii. Crazy. It's cold outside. Put a jacket on before you come up and join us for breakfast. Take your time. She puts on her jacket. She comes upstairs. There's Adam, who she recognizes now because she's seen him on the video. And he says, do you want to meet your daughter? She's about this tall. Comes and hugs her. Spends time with her. There's your dad, who she knows because she recognizes him as his dad. Christ has given us this word and each other to be our videotapes. We are each other's videotapes. We're the ones that remind each other that, yes, something awful happened to you. Yes, you were trapped in death and sin. But because of Jesus, your life moves on. It progresses further and goes on to the dream that he has dreamed for you so that we join with him in that. So you might be here right now and you feel erased. Some of you might even feel like, I wish it would get erased. Yeah, we do too. But God, through Christ, as the Word, comes to us to remind us who we are. So that, so because He's reminded us of that, we can now walk with him and be those who are slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger, to care for those who need to be cared for, to put away the things in the world that pull us towards our own selfish desires and walk in pure religion. Let me pray for us. Father God, you are good, and all you do is good, and we don't believe that always, so help us in our unbelief. It's a matter of trust, Father, and that's hard for us to grasp. Move us from an if-then life to a so-because life that we trust and believe and know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Even when doubt creeps in, you move in even those places, even in those darkest places, you move because you are faithful in your steadfast love. Let us hold on to you in that. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.